We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. NFL pick six show the super wild card weekend is down now the uh what is this championship week i should know the name of what this week is called Not I yet. Don't think it's a, what is it called what do we divisional call divisional round football okay super divisional round i don't think it's super <laughs> super divisional round uh four games pick six show uh last week was perfect in that we had six games to talk about pick six show it's uh this week it's the pick four i suppose We'll be talking about every single game. We're going to break down all four games. We're going to be talking about, uh, I see in our chat at YouTube. What's up, YouTube? Hit that like button. Subscribe. Turn on those notifications. Some of y'all actually listen to us live. I see Alexander in chat. How was the movie, boys? Yeah. Uh, Diggle assigned us a movie. We'll be talking about that later on. The movie stuff, all the nonsense stuff is after all the analysis. But, yeah, I we're looking forward to talking about Street Fighter, I'm sure. Uh <laughs> Raul Julia's last movie, I believe. They say uh, George Costanza taught us. They taught us to finish on a high note. I don't know if he did. Stay tuned for a review. Uh, Dale, uh, welcome back. Uh, you know, four four games to break down. 
there's different slates, obviously. There's the two-gamer and the two-gamer. There's the four-gamer. Uh, we're just going to break them down game by game. We'll, we'll talk about it organically as far as how it relates to the slate. Uh, but, uh, yeah, and any thoughts, you know, as far as Super Wild Card Weekend that are worth throwing out there that you want to get out of the you know, you're having the uh, the old repertoire. I'm sure you have some thoughts as far as the past weekend of football. And, of course, forward-thinking show, we're going to be breaking down these four games. I will gladly ride that divisional or that two-game high again since if FanDuel would have not cut us off, then <laughs> it was clear that Brock Purdy, Elijah Mitchell, Christian McCaffrey, and Debo Samuel, just jamming them all in together was the key, actually, to winning that two-day slate since the Chargers offense, Austin Eckler got there, but the Chargers offense did not get there, as we also talked about last week. So, definitely, I'll be playing both two-day slates again. Looking forward to it. Yeah, I mean, we all had the nuts on the, on the slate was canceled. I had the nuts, too, right? We, <laughs> we made the perfect lineup and it just disappeared. Who knows? <laughs> uh, and only, I don't know, we'll, we'll talk about it, I suppose, but it turned out to be a head-to-head. Just myself and producer Steve, we pivoted over to DK, to make a, a four gamer, and uh, you know, I, I don't know who if we have a winner this week as far as the movie bets. We'll discuss that later. Uh, back here is John Daigle. Uh, no, is Rich Rebar from, Rich, uh, Rebar. from <laughs> uh, Rich? You're back from. You're a champion. You, you're a flag football champion. Back from Florida. Congratulations. Uh, take your victory lap. Are you <laughs> going to be appearing at the Pro Bowl? You know, it's flag football this year in the Pro Bowl. Maybe it was their scouts out there. Uh, a lot of people call out. They just want to go on their vacation. If you, are you on call just in case? No, no, no. That was it, man. Uh, the the guys brought me out. Uh, what it is, you know, I played forever. I haven't played in like five years, but we were we were state ranked in Ohio. We were one of the best teams in Ohio for a long time, and I played till I was about thirty five. We had a buddy break his neck actually, and that was kind of like the writing on the wall for a lot of us. Was like, all right, oh, like you know, like we're, all right, we're getting a little too old for this, but. Uh, the the younger guys on the team that kind of replaced us like they couldn't go so they wanted to put together a 35 and older team for nationals and uh they they dialed me back up and they said well if I, first off i lost 50 pounds this year so i think they found out that i lost the weight and they were like cool we'll ask we'll ask reeves if he'll go and i was like dude i lost 50 pounds but i'm i'm still i got 40 year old speed right now still like, uh, but I think that's why they asked, but I got, I got asked to go and, uh, we had a good time. We won it. We swept through. We didn't even lose. Uh, no one even scored on us the last three games. It was awesome. It was a great time, except for Dean. It was 40 degrees in Orlando, <laughs> like 40 degrees. What the hell, man? Why was it so cold in Orlando this weekend? I, I don't know. I, I'm not that far away. I'm about, I'm about three hours South and I, I was in a, you know, in Fort Lauderdale, I was like 35. It was. It's egregious. I don't know what's going on. I can't speak for the weather. Maybe Chief Meteorologist Kevin Roth. You can ask him. He'll let you know what's going on there. Weatherwise, the people want to know two things, though. Rebar, they want to know your comp. Who's your wide receiver comp? Like, if we go to playerprofile.com, we type your name in. Who's your comp? And were you out there exercising, or were you actually getting some reps? You getting some runs? Did you get in the end zone? Did you have a dance? Are you a player's coach? <laughs> no, man. Uh, they're, they're definitely, I would say, uh, uh, very much like a, a Jacoby Myers, a Jacoby Myers-ish <laughs> type play, you know what I mean? Uh, definitely don't have the, the, the yak in me anymore, even though like I said I lost <laughs> that weight. But no, man, it was, it was awesome uh, to get back out there. I really missed it. You know, I always tell my son and my wife that, you know, I, I really miss getting out there and catching the ball. You know, I don't know if I ever get a chance to do it again. So when they asked, I said, yes, man, I'm in. Uh, got out there. I played full burn. Basically, I played like 90% of the reps. There is no celebrating. So you, you get flagged, man. So like No pumps? 
no man yeah there's refs and everything man like it's legit so uh we had we had really good refs too um it was awesome man it was a great tournament great they always put on a great tournament there uh for nationals so uh it was awesome man i had a great time i i can't wait to uh eventually get a chance to to go back if i get it is it is wild because you know with us possibly reuniting in nashville over super bowl weekend I have those photos from the last time a lot of us were all together. And there's one in particular where it's Big Reeves, still the Lord, but Big Reeves, and Peter Overzet is carrying him. And at the time, that was a big deal because Reeves was bigger, and Peter Overzet is still just like the most ripped man in the industry. Uh, but now I feel like I could pick up Reeves with ease. We'll have to reenact that in three weeks, right? You guys are good to go for Nashville? I, I assume, I hope so. Yeah, but everyone's yeah, yeah. lives have changed over time. So, like, Overzet as a kid and probably can't make it. Uh, you know, <laughs> I will say, uh, uh, I will say this: I got to go to Galaxy's Edge too. Ultra disappointing. Does not live up to any hype that anyone sells. Oh, damn! What's Galaxy's? Is that a Disney World? It's at Hollywood Studios, the Star Wars area. Okay. Yeah. Did you knock out as many parks as you could or just one, I suppose? No. So the last time I was in Florida, that had yet to be built. So it was something I had done and, you know, huge Star Wars fan. And my oldest is a huge Star Wars fan. So we wanted to go. He went with me, tagged along on the trip because he's cool with all the guys. Um, we went. Uh, it's, I don't regret doing it, but it's very low on the list of places to go back to in Orlando. <laughs> all right. Understood. Fair enough. I uh, spent a good four plus years there in Orlando. Well, you know, uh, UCF is like a half hour away, but it's Orlando, so technically, I suppose. Hey, four gamer, let's get to it. The people want enough of the pleasantries. Uh, congratulations again, Rich. That is awesome. If there, for the people on YouTube, feel free to show off the uh, the ring. You happen to have it next to you. I know you're too modest on your own, but feel free to flaunt it. That's some pretty impressive. Uh, yeah, there. There, yeah, it's behind me. I don't think Robert Kraft made it, but uh, <laughs> uh, you know, it was solid. It was a good get. You know, the, you know, we'll, we'll take a, a little ring on the way out. First game on the slate on Saturday afternoon, the Jags at the Chiefs. 52 and a half is a total. A lot of nice totals this weekend. That's good to see. Uh, 45 and a half, I believe, is the lowest current total. We'll talk about that one soon enough. Uh, KC is an eight-point favorite here versus Jacksonville, who had one of the greatest comebacks in the history of the NFL. Congratulations to Trevor Lawrence and his victory celebration at Waffle House. Uh I, I wasn't uh, on Twitter that night. I, I assume Twitter was pretty even killed those first two quarters on Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> All, always well, in the gray. Twitter, yeah. Twitter, not black and white, always in the gray. You're right. <laughs> there were some weird deflections all over the place. That Twitter <laughs> unites over very few things, but they are united over Brandon Staley to be a huge donkey for multiple reasons for over multiple weeks. And apparently he's going to survive and he's going to keep his job. But, uh, oh, actually, we did turn on him. We used to like him a couple of years ago, but good Lord. He's had a bad couple of weeks there down the stretch. Uh, yeah, let's open this up here, John, as far as Jacksonville, Kansas City. Dealer's choice, start wherever you'd like. What's funny about that game, too, is that Trevor Lawrence opened it four for 16 for 30 yards and four picks. Uh, <laughs> so, so the rest of the game, obviously, went really well for Jacksonville. But what's fun about the Jags in this game is that we've talked about this in the past. The Chiefs are 2-7-1. and one covering the spread in our last 10 games, those two covers occurring against Bryce Perkins and Jarrett Stedham. And remember, at least we know that unlike a lot of coaches who have played the Chiefs in the playoffs, Doug Peterson already understands the assignment. He opened that first game against Kansas City in Week 10 with an onside kick and recovery, giving Jags the ball 
on their own 46-yard line to start. And then, of course, forced a fumble the very next possession, the opening possession for the Chiefs from Isaiah Pacheco. They just happened to Jags at that time, still a young and developing team, to score zero points on those two series of events. That should they punted. Through- they, dude, they punted in KC territory on both of them. So Doug yeah. Peterson clearly Does was not understepping. Was clearly <laughs> half stepping. You don't fake the funk. If you're gonna go in, you go all the way in. Which which Sean McDermott had to learn the hard way. It took him a whole year <laughs> to get back to Kansas City and then learn understand that you don't play around here. Uh, but at the same time, also remember Trevor Lawrence was completed just 44 percent of his passes for nine touchdowns and three picks inside the red zone. Second half of the season, he's been an entirely different person. Has 61 and a half percent completion rate inside of 20 for 14 touchdowns and no picks, including five of seven for three touchdowns and zero interceptions this past week against the Chargers. So I do think we're looking at a different offense here, a more aggressive one. I think we definitely get some pushback, and I think the Jags hang around, which alters the approach in DFS, whether we play the two-day or four-game slate. Either way, you look at it because we think the over is going to hit. Chiefs also still on the entire year, allowing the second-highest rate of touchdowns inside the red zone. So overall, yeah, I think the Jags carry their weight and bring it on here. By the way, I went on stat news. Uh, Anybody want to guess? I won't say it right away. and Maybe it's been out there and I just missed it. But I was curious, uh, Lawrence, uh, four touchdowns, four interceptions. I was wondering if that was the first time it's ever happened. A quarterback had four touchdowns and four interceptions and won a playoff game. It's happened once before. Does anybody want to guess when it happened? Not that long ago, I don't think. Probably within the last 15 years. Well, definitely. Mm, I don't know. That seems like a rich stat, too. I don't AFC. Know. What year was it? I don't know. This quarterback has retired but he's possibly in the Hall of Fame. I think he's definitely in the Hall of Fame. So it's, I'm framing it now. Now I'm putting it on a seat. Hall of Fame quarterback. He was horrible to play in DFS in the last couple of years of his career. Was it Peyton? No, that's a good guess. A little bit or a little bit after that. After Peyton? After Peyton. Yeah. He just retired like a year or two ago. Oh, so Breeze? No. AFC. Rivers? No. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're all thousand, around thousand, thousand guesses. <laughs> what is it, Dean? Big Ben, uh, Roethlisberger. Uh, yeah. Well, it was the Browns game, right? It might have been. I don't remember the game. It was it like two years ago? It was like two years ago? No, because the Browns gave the one. Didn't they get run out of the stadium in that game? That was but, the Baker Mayfield embarrassing them one. Yeah, yeah. But didn't they still score a bunch of points? They did score a bunch of points. He threw 50 will- times in that game. Yeah, they started the game with like a fumble six on like a over a snap over <laughs> big, big Ben's head. Good times, good times. By the way, I saw a note, and I, I, this is going to be this ESPN talking head stuff, and just to have that fill the time. Uh, they were talking about how Kansas City is going to be, uh, and I don't even know why they would give their strategy. Like, oh, Kansas City is going to try to stop ETN, and they're going to like, and like allegedly they have like uh, Intel or something, and they're going to for- force Lawrence uh, to throw the ball. I don't know. Uh, is that something you heard, Rich? Is that something you care about? Is that nonsense? If you're the Jags, how would you go about trying to score some points on Kansas City? I mean, the Chiefs will stop Travis Etienne by scoring a bunch of points, making the Jaguars throw the football yeah. like every team that plays the Chiefs. <laughs> I mean, there's a reason they face the third most pass attempts per game. So, uh, and it's the same thing. Like Travis Etienne was on a heater, like going into when these teams played the first time. And just got scripted out of the game, right? Because for some reason, Travis Etienne doesn't catch passes. Uh, He only ran 11 times in that game. 
so we need the, the Jags to kind of hang around. Although he did get a lot of carries uh, when I didn't think he was going to get carries last week when that game was 27 nothing. But this also isn't the uh, Chargers run D either. So, And I doubt that Patrick Mahomes is going to stop scoring points as well um, like, like the Chargers and Justin Herbert did. So I don't know how much I'm really stocking any of that. I think it'll just be a game script sensitive. Your favorite receiver on the Jaguars side, who was it, Rich? Oh, pretty easily Christian Kirk. I mean, same spot. I think we this was the first movie contest week we did, and I think we all had Christian Kirk in our lineups. Uh, I mean, you have the, the the Chiefs, you know, they're allowing, you know, 20 PPR points per game to opposing wide receiver one targets. It's 30th in the NFL. They're also allowing 20 points per game, 24th in points per game on slot receivers, 29th in touchdown rate a lot of those guys. Kirk. Uh, had two touchdowns when these teams play. You know, he caught, two, you know, nine passes on 12 targets. Uh, I don't mind any of the other guys, but pretty easily Christian Kirk. You agree, John? Oh, yeah. And, and again, in a two-game slate, you can kind of get creative here as it worked last week with Trevor Lawrence, but Christian Kirk is my favorite as well. By the way, I just Googled and I screwed up. So, like, Lawrence was the only one to win, but it did happen uh, once before with Big Ben and he lost. So, yeah, so that was the Browns. Yeah. I, okay. I would have guessed that one. Yes, that was the game. And I just, I guess for some reason in my head, I remembered he, he won as well, but he did not. Uh, hey, you know who smashed last week? Like every tight end, uh, you know, Ingram was it's awesome. A good tight end slate. Except George yeah. Kittle. Except for the good ones. Like Andrews yeah. wasn't great. Um, you know, Hawkinson was awesome. Ingram was great. Schultz was spectacular. Bellinger Ingram was good. Got in for a touchdown. Yeah, so I mean, double tight end was like some of my, be- my best lineups that I made this week, and I'm not sure if that's what took stuff down, but I certainly could envision that for sure. How do we feel about having Ingram? I know you guys. Th- I assume you guys are talking about receivers as far as Kirk and the Jones boys. Uh, as far as oh, there's a there's a third one. There's a Tim Jones. I didn't know that. Uh, wasn't aware there's three guys named Jones on Jacksonville catching passes. Theoretically, I don't know if Tim actually catches them. Uh, what do you have, John? As far as oh, go ahead. I-, I think Tim Jones was healthy scratch last week too. I could be wrong. Yeah, I'm just now learning of his existence. Uh, how much are you prioritizing uh, Evan Ingram, or do you like Ingr- Evan Ingram in relation to all the other tight ends on this slate? In this particular game, I still think I lean Travis Kelsey. It really depends on what salary allows you to do. I've tinkered around DraftKings. You can play around a little bit because, yet again, the Jags receivers are priced down quite heavily. Uh, FanDuel, I'm tepid to play around with lineups because I don't want them to disappear overnight again. <laughs> and yeah, I've, I've just been toying around with it. I, re- I really don't necessarily hate Ingram, but uh, I just like kind of where the Chiefs fondle the ball in this game. And so that's what leads me to Travis Kelsey because remember the, the last time the Jaguars played the Chiefs, uh, 46% of Mahomes' passing yards and two of his four touchdowns occurred from the slot. The, uh, actually, the last time these two teams played in Week 10, that's the last time Jacksonville allowed any player to record a touchdown from the boundary. Like They've been pretty airtight on the outside so far. But the slot is where they can still get you. And, of course, that's where Travis Kelsey plays a little bit. That's where Juju Smith-Suster runs the most routes. And then in a game where we think McCole Hardman's not going to play, like Kadarius Tony is still live on limited usage just because he gets concerted touches on a small slate as well. And so that's kind of where I'm looking instead is Kelsey instead of Ingram. It's obviously really, really early Wednesday night we record this, but Kelsey's not hitting a bunch of optimal stuff uh, on DraftKings. He is on FanDuel. Yeah. So FanDuel is much, much easier to get Kelsey over there from what I can tell and just kind of messing with lineup construction. 
Rich, how much do you prioritize Kelsey? What's your thoughts as far as – and prioritizing Mahomes, they're kind of sort of attached to some degree. Uh, the Kansas City offense, uh, Mahomes, Kelsey, and then feel free to, you know, go from there. I mean, listen, we always want to play Travis Kelsey if we can. It always just comes down to the salary cap game. And this is a fantastic wide receiver slate, too. Not the greatest of running back slates. So we're talking from the full top down four games. Uh, so we want to play a lot of these receivers, uh, you know, on the slate uh, in general. So it's always tough because when you when you add Kelsey and you're basically foregoing uh, basically a top dollar wide receiver. So, you know, whether that ends up being, you know, on the four game slate, a guy like Jamar Chase or Stephon Diggs or C.D. Lamb. Uh, you know, on the two game slate, it's a it's a little bit different, but it still could be an A.J. Brown. It could be a Devontae Smith. It could be a Christian Kirk. You know, it could be the difference of you getting in on one of those guys. But it's a fantastic spot for Kelsey. The The Jaguars are terrible defending the middle of the field. Like Daigle said, uh, we talked about it last week with Gerald Everett, who absolutely smashed, had the best game of the season. Uh, Jacksonville tight ends in general had 12 catches for 148 yards and a touchdown in that game. Uh, Noah Gray scored in this game too earlier in the year. Like he's probably live to even punt in this game if you really wanted to go down and chase a touchdown. Uh, yeah, if, we, if I can fit Kelsey in, sure, man. I haven't really made a bunch of lineups. I'd love to get him in if I can because it's a really great spot uh, to play him because everyone's crushed the Jaguars over the middle of the field. It reminds me of the spot last week with Brock Purdy. Uh, Brenda, you can like mid and high stakes was six to eight percent. And even though, yes, we talked about how Seattle like limits production from the boundary, and we'll talk about the or San, yeah, we'll talk about that in a bit. How San Francisco attacked them, the way San Francisco runs their routes, it's like it doesn't even matter if you line up for the boundary, you're still over the middle of the field most of the time in crossing routes. And so, like, it seems like a situation where Kelsey doesn't fit builds, like you mentioned, Dean. He's not an optimals, which makes him an amazing tournament play. You just gotta figure out ways to like jigger your lineup and squeeze him in. By the way, shout out to you, Dago, answering questions in the live YouTube chat as a as we're. <laughs> it was a quick, easy one day answer. It's not a hard one. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess you're probably used to that too. Probably doing well. You're a lot of times yeah. you're vocalizing, but you've done yeah. plenty of streams, obviously. Uh, there, there are a lot of there are a lot of things that don't matter. Like if we start going down cornerback wide receiver matchups, then you have to start mentioning like the percentage of snaps a cornerback plays on the outside of the slot. And so that tells you the receiver is going to be lined up against that cornerback like 30% of the time. And then it doesn't matter at all, but yeah, receive like, out wide and boundary um, and slot. Sure. We'll, we'll talk about that. Are we seeing anything new as far as uh, routes run and, you know, participation with Tony or is it basically, you know, Juju's the top guy. MVS is out there, you know, doing his exercising and you're just pure dart throws as far as Moore and Watson. Like those guys just, you know, don't seem to have much of a ceiling. John, as far as the take on the, the Kansas City receiving core, what do you have? I mentioned Juju already from the slot, given how airtight yeah. Jags have been from the boundary. So we'll go right back there with the most confidence, 10 out of 10. And then the rest, you you pretty much know what you're going to get. Like Kadarius Tony is limited usage. And let's say Hardman who we expect to be out, is scratched in this game. I'm still willing to chase that in a small slate, like those concerted touches, like a Chase Claypool with the Steelers almost, where they're giving them carries inside the 10-yard line. Like, that's fine. I, I don't mind chasing touchdowns in small slates. In larger slates, there's an argument to be had. And then, yeah, Justin Watson is just far too thin for me, given that, you know, he's going to get one deep 20-yard ball, and maybe he'll catch up for a touchdown, maybe he won't, but that's pretty much a zero in play for him. Yeah, if you're making 150 lineups in the two-game slate, maybe you sprinkle them in, right? Just like you said, he could be the reason that you win. He catches one 40-yard touchdown, and that's it. But, you know, 
understand the floor for him is very, very clearly zero. Uh, Rich, what, what's our thoughts? Feel free to give anything as far as receivers, but I'm curious your take. Uh, the running back, Pacheco, McKinnon. Is McKinnon going to keep getting away with it? He keeps does, right? He keeps, <laughs> he keeps on doing it. Um, you know, yeah. Pacheco versus McKinnon. Where do you lay on that? Yeah, you know, the Chiefs, uh, they now are down ahead, ahead of only the Ravens in terms of targeting their wide receivers. None of their guys are even really playing a lot anymore. Juju's not even playing in the slot anymore. Uh, he's basically playing almost strictly outside. He's, he's basically 70, 30, you know, outside, inside. Uh, and he's not even running a full complement of routes. So, you know, he's only running a route on basically 75% of the dropbacks. They're starting to rotate everybody through and they're not throwing any of their wide receivers. Uh, so it's really tough. No chiefs wide receivers at hundred yards in a game since week seven. They have just six total touchdowns since the week eight by, uh, it's real tough, man. It's just real tough to say like, there's a ceiling for any of these guys, uh, for any of the chiefs players, even when you get a touchdown, like what are you really getting out of these chiefs guys? Right. You know, it's, it's kind of where we are. Are, are they worth chasing on any level at this point, especially on a loaded wide receiver slate? Um, even, I mean, Kadarius Tony's going to get seen. He's going to get popular. I can, you can mm. feel it simmering. You can just feel it already. Everyone wants to, to be there for the Kadarius, the Kadarius Tony pop pass and jet motion touchdown from seven yards away. Uh, you know, but man, there has just not really been a ceiling for a lot of these guys. It's really tough, tough to laugh on, latch onto. And that's the same thing with Pacheco, right? Like, and it could be the same truth for McKinnon now that he's been priced up too, because McKinnon has single digit touches in his last three games. He's just getting by, man, just getting a touchdown every game. The dude has nine touchdowns his past six games. He's caught a touchdown pass in six straight games, which no running back's ever done. But if you are going to target guys against the Jaguars, it is these receiving backs. It didn't happen for Austin Eckler. But, uh, you know, when these teams played in week 10, McKinnon led the Chiefs in targets in that game with eight. He had the six for 56. He actually didn't score a touchdown in that game. Uh, one of the few games he didn't, but that's kind of where you would look for that floor. But he's six K also on DraftKings because that's where you'd want to play him. Uh, he's not he's not free by any means. McKinnon is still it's still funny because remember you had to have him in that Week 18 Saturday slate, but he did finish with two catches for zero yards and one touchdown <laughs> receiving. Uh, so that's just kind of him running hot. It's just the way it is right now. Rich, the thing with the people wanting to get Tony is it is the thought process that. You know, KC has been kind of babying him and like working him up to get more reps in the playoffs because he's a talented receiver, or it's just they just like him as is, and that's that. Well, he's not really getting like any real receiver work, really. Like not yeah. a lot. It's I mean, and, and I think it just has to do with the Hardman being out. Uh, he scored a couple of touchdowns. His metrics are good, like on a per route basis. I mean, he's getting targeted on 26% of his routes when he's in the game. It's basically plays are getting called for him. He also when these teams play people will box score hunt right like he he had 57 yards and a touchdown in this game this was kind of the first game Hardman missed right uh so they'll go to that he also had 33 yards rushing in that game as well so just really easy to get there I think for people to draw that that kind of parallel of just getting him in lineups he's affordable um I definitely think he's going to be really popular I haven't seen like projected ownership but I have a feeling Kadarius Tony's gonna be really popular especially on Saturday interesting uh, I'm trying to see where he's landing in uh, and this is just optimal stuff. And this is when there's no way not. he projects good enough to be like in optimals, right? Oh, uh, so in a four game slate on Fandle, including all the games, he's hitting 14% of their optimals yeah. for what it's worth. Uh, and I ran like one fifty, I believe on DK, he hit uh, scrolling I mean, down just 4%. 
his median projection has to be like five points. So there's no way he's like a really like an optimal guy. He's currently projected for we're giving him nine DK points. Looks like at four one. So yeah, it's five carries. Um, all right. Any, any bold predictions as far as who's winning this game or any, any Vegas takes by all means, <laughs> feel free to fire them out there. The people, there's a lot of legalized, uh, sports gambling states out there. The people want to know, except, if Florida. except for Florida. Yes. You, yeah. found it out, which, <laughs> you know, we had it for like two weeks with the hard rock app and then it's gone and who knows when it'll ever come back. But, uh, yeah. And if you have it for the people, by all means, feel, feel free sharing it. I know they love their ladders as well too. When you hit that ladder, it's absolutely beautiful. Otherwise, we shall move on and talk about the Giants, the Eagles, playing for the third time this year, 48 half, 40 and a half is the total. I think the third time in the last seven weeks or something like that, although the Giants, they didn't really play, right, Week 18. They did, but they didn't, right? 48 and a half is the total. Philadelphia, eight-point favorite here. Giants coming off a, an impressive victory last week versus Minnesota. They are who we thought they were. Uh, Rich, feel free to open this one up wherever you'd like to go. Yeah, listen, my son had a great time watching the Giants. Uh, you know, they, they basically did what the Jaguars did, right? Like last week was kind of like the Super Bowl, and then you're probably going to get bounced, and that's okay. You feel really good, right? You got in the dance, and you you pulled off uh, an upset. Uh, but, yeah, it's probably going to run thin for the Giants here. I mean, this is kind of just like a terrible matchup for the Giants, considering what the Eagles do defensively. Uh, and what they do offensively, it's just a, it's just a matchup that isn't very good. And we kind of saw when these teams played uh, back in week 14. Now, granted, you know, there's some guys that the Giants didn't have. I will push back on a lot of, you know, people that want to contend that Adoree Jackson and Xavier McKinney really make a big difference in terms of, you know, objective statistics and how they, you know, when they're on and off the field. Uh, but they are going to have those guys in this game. They didn't have them in week 14, but still it was a game. The Eagles outright just flat out controlled even the week 18 game, which was kind of a weird game because the Giants didn't play anybody. Hertz was coming off the injury. The Eagles just kind of meandered their way through the game that, you know, they, they were, they absolutely kind of flooded them in the first half of both games. They led 40 to seven combined at the halftime in those games. Uh, and we know the Eagles are like a hot start team. The Giants aren't the Giants are more of a rally team. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it's just really going to be a tough spot for the Giants here, uh, just like I believe it'll be for the Jaguars. Although the Jaguars will have offensive stats, and there may not be a lot of offensive stats here for the Giants. John, do you agree? You think the the Giants are basically one and done, one and out? Yeah, we get accustomed to teams playing really well in the wild card round, and the Giants deserve credit for everything they've done, for everything Brian Dable, the proper coach of the year, has done. But assuming Jalen Hurts, who was removed from the injury report Tuesday, and Lane Johnson, who is limited in practice for, at least according to the report, rest purposes are both healthy. The Giants don't have a chance here, and that's the way I'm playing it. Uh, Jalen Hurts, even with this injured shoulder, his last two appearances, has, has run 17 and nine times. Also, remember, Nick Sirianni came out post-Bears game, which was Jalen Hurts' season high and fantasy points in Week 15, and said... That was the way we played that way on purpose, not giving a Miles Sanders a touch until the six-minute mark of the second quarter because they saw single high safety, which tells them no one over the top, man coverage against A.J. Brown, forget the read, forget the play, you throw it to A.J. Brown. That's it. And in Hurts' last two games, we see A.J. Brown have a 39% target share against man coverage. And as we know, Wink Martindale calls the highest rate of man coverage and blitzes in the league. So – if we're assuming Hurts and Lane Johnson, who, again, this Eagles offense, 
over seven yards per drop back with Lane Johnson on the field, a 5.5% touchdown rate compared to 2.2% with Lane Johnson on the field. It matters so much at left tackle. So, yeah, I think the Eagles heavily roll here. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, uh, Rich, your your son, your son's a Giants fan. I don't know how much he gets in the yeah, weeds yeah. as far as, like, contract and stuff like that. Is he on board with, like, Daniel Jones, four years, $200 million? No, not that much. I mean, I think we we think we talked about it a little bit last week where it's more like you want to try to shoot for like that Jameis ballpark, like a little bit over. Uh, that's what you're shooting yeah. for. If you're Daniel Jones's agent, you're not shooting for that. But that's kind of what you want to do. You don't want to get all in, but you, you'll, you'll just keep your, you know, shins in the water. Right. I mean, listen, we still haven't seen Daniel Jones play with actual wide receivers. Uh, and that's actually yeah. part of the reason why he's actually done this. It's part of the symptoms of what's made Daniel Jones protect the football is a byproduct of how the Giants had to run their offense, right? Like you can't throw interceptions if you're never throwing over the middle of the field, you're not throwing downfield, right? So it's, it, it's kind of worked itself out in, in that way as well. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's interesting to see what happens, what, how the Giants will play this. I mean, they went against script last week against the Vikings and did not blitz at all and did not play man coverage, but they were able to still pressure Kirk Cousins a ton. That's probably not going to be the case, uh, you know, in this game. I mean, and when they didn't blitz Jalen Hurts in the regular season, they only pressured him on 23% of the non-blitz dropbacks. Uh, they got pressure on Kirk Cousins on 42% of the non-blitz dropbacks they had last week. So they're going to have to try to find a way to get there. And interesting enough that Hurts was actually worse against the Giants when they didn't blitz in both regular season games. So we'll see if they look at any of that stuff and maybe try to dial back, but they did it in either games. They blitzed Jalen Hurts at the highest rate of, both weeks that season, the highest rate any team blitzed another team in week 14 and week 18. So, I mean, listen, if Wink's going to wink, there's going to be a lot of chance to make plays. Interesting enough is the two games that these teams played, Devontae Smith led the team in targets against the blitz and man coverage. Uh, so maybe he's a little bit of leverage. But the target tree is so thin that you can play any of the Eagles you want because we know where the ball is going, right? Um, you know, there might be a couple targets for Quez Watkins. They don't throw to the running back. So it's basically still top down. A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, pick your poison. You can run doubles if you want. It's close that salary's gotten. Brown at seven, uh, is at seven, six, and Smith at seven, two. Uh, there was a bigger gap, I would say, earlier in the year. You know, Smith has definitely closed in on him. This is for the field. Either of you, if you're going to start a, a lineup, as you prefer to start with Mahomes or Hurts? as like the foundation, presumably some sort of stack, some sort of game stack. Does anybody have a strong lean, uh, Mahomes I, versus Hurts? I like Hurts personally for the rushing upside, which I think he has definitively in this game. Like Giants were the only team to allow an explosive play rate, so rate of carries of 10 plus yards over 17% on the season. Uh, they're the only team to allow a rate of explosive runs over 19% in the last month of the season. So whether you look at short-term or the long-term trend, Giants are the worst rush defense in the league. But we also talked about that last week, and the Vikings not only were not going to change their approach, but also they can't run the ball anyways, whereas the Eagles will change their approach. Like, you know, Miles Sanders had still two touchdowns in the first matchup these two teams played. So I still like Jalen Hurts a lot. And I'm still curious. I, I'm on the fence. I don't know how it's going to be played. It's probably subjective. It's going to change person to person. But knowing Brian Dable, like Rich mentioned, will change his game plan as he did against the Vikings, cater to what works best. I don't know if they're going to try to go point for point, the Giants, or if they're going to try to take away possessions and run the ball. 
Uh, it probably be bad to try to run the ball. But we also saw Daniel Jones, a season high, 11 design runs for seven first down last week. That worked at least against the Vikings. Do they do that again? Do they try to slow down the game? I don't know. And if that's the case, then the, the under is well in play here. So I'm still on the fence, but I, I would go hurt personally over Mahomes. Yeah, feel free to chime in on that, Rich. And also the, the Philadelphia receivers, Brown, Smith, and is Goddard, is Goddard going to be able to do what Hawkinson did last week versus Giants team? Caught a bunch of passes, didn't get in the box, but you know, lots of targets. I think he hit over 100 yards as well. Um, your favorite Ooh, these Giants linebackers are bad, man. Ooh, that's yeah, that's bad. my understanding. Is it is Goddard <laughs> kind of a sneaky play this late? Yeah, he absolutely forward. could be. I mean, the Giants are what 30th in catch rate allowed to tight ends, 24th in yards per target. They've also allowed uh, 610 yards after the catch to tight ends. That's 31st in the league. And the only player at his position that had more yards after the catch to Dallas Goddard was Travis Kelsey. So there's an opportunity there uh, for, for Goddard to kind of be the, the eagle to own. Uh, this game also could be kind of an ugly game, right? Like maybe it was, maybe not just what we saw in week 18, but this game could be kind of low scoring and not very good, right? You have the Eagles with another week off. Like we haven't seen Jalen Hurts uh, really play like a full run out game in what uh, over a month now uh, you know he played in week 18 but it was kind of like a weird game where like they, they didn't really have him running any designed runs uh, he didn't really pass well in that game it was against kind of backup so I mean there could be a, a stumble here where the Eagles just kind of aren't on their like a game that, that could be in the range of outcomes and this game's kind of ugly I think the hardest outcome for me is just believing that the Giants like score a bunch of points right mm -hmm. Like, that's kind of probably the hardest thing to believe. Um, it's probably got to be a big Saquon game, and can he have a big game? And we've seen the Eagles. They've been awesome the back half of the year against the run. Like, basically, once they started to add that that aged beef and Linval Joseph and, and Dominican Sue, and then they got Jordan Davis back. Um, since that time, week 11, they've, they've got a 67% success rate against the run. That's fifth in the NFL. They have allowed a first down or touchdown on a league low, 15.8% of carries. Uh, you, the only way to kind of really get them with backs is kind of out of the backfield. So maybe Barkley gets some usage in the receiving game, which we've really only seen against the Vikings. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really tough to see like this, this giants passing game roll over what they did against the Vikings. And I remember too, Daniel Jones has only thrown over 300 yards in three games this year. And two of them came against the Vikings who we've picked on all yeah. year. So like, it's hard to say like they're going to have transit of property and bring that to this Eagles defense that has been really excellent, you know, defending the pass all season long. You can get them a little bit in the slot, especially if Avante Maddox is out, but I, I expect Chauncey Gardner Johnson to move just and play nickelback, which wasn't available a few weeks ago when, when Avante Maddox went out, it's just really hard to see the Giants scoring a lot of points in this game. Aged beef. Also my autobiography. <laughs> <laughs> Who is the best pass catcher uh, for the Giants, John? And I, I've been going to you with this uh, one uh, week after week, uh, trying to figure out uh, the whack-a-mole of the Giants receivers. Look, just as like dumb guy on the couch, I feel like Hodgkins might be good. I don't know. I know he doesn't have like a big pedigree, and I think he was. I think another team had him and just kind of threw him away. If I'm not mistaken, Bills. Is Bills. It the Bills. That's who it was. Okay, yeah, yeah. Like I think he looks good, but like again, I don't. I'm not. Uh, I'm not the guy digging in the dirt. I have no idea. Uh, your preference is, and how do you think Hodgkins can possibly be good? Is that is that can be a, can that be a thing? I'm not sure. Well, well I'm one for I'm one for one here because I got it right the first time, and then last week Richie James had two drops from the slot, which uh, not only did he go under his prop, but it also didn't help in DFS. So I got that one wrong because Isaiah Hodgins is amazing. Yeah, he's he's one of those guys with an athletic profile, which is actually kind of amazing. The Bills didn't pick up on it. 
because he was on their team until week eight. It's like halfway through the season that he's had to like make his name known with the Giants and Brian Dable and become an every down receiver. So in this game, um, I think the higher floor, Richie James, the highest ceiling, Isaiah Hodgins. But And I think you can tell me if I'm wrong here. I think Richie James, given how salaries work, will come in higher rostered than Isaiah Hodgins. I could be wrong right now on the slate. But if that's the case, then Easily. sure, I'd play Hodgins over James. Uh, he, he, he'll easily come in higher for salary and the matchup stuff. You know, people will get to the Vontae Maddox splits. Uh, people will get to one anyways for the top-down stance. The, the Eagles have allowed the highest rate of receptions to slot receivers than on the outside because James Bradbury and Darius Slay have been really good this year. Um, but Hodgins, I mean, you look, he's he hasn't even gone over 50 yards against anybody but the Vikings. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good point. Uh, you know, like he's, he's scoring touchdowns. Uh, but yeah, Richie James will definitely be the highest roster giant for sure. Whatever uh, Daniel Jones ends up getting, he's got to kick back like 10% to that Minnesota secondary, right? I feel like he definitely owes. I mean, you got to credit that you got to credit the staff too, man. Like just understanding, understanding the assignment. And to be fair, Saquon's looked awesome. Like since that commander's game on Sunday night football, He's been really good like the last four games and he's looked really fresh and spry. It's just, you know, expecting him to have a huge run out and he's capable of doing it against anybody. But uh, the Eagles run defense has been gnarly, you know, since the middle of the year. But Saquon's looked the best he's looked, you know, these this last month. And he at least ran against the Vikings a route because Daniel Jones obviously sucked away carries. But Barkley was still on the field for a route on 43 of 46 dropbacks. So he was out there every single snap, which at least gives him a higher floor. Anything else we got to get out to the people as far as Giants, Eagles, or shall we move on? Moving up. Cincinnati Buffalo, 48.5 is a total Buffalo, about a five and a half point favorite here. John, I'll let you open it up. This, of course, the first game of the second two game slate. First game on Sunday. We're talking about all of them individually. You know, obviously, ownership stuff is going to shuffle depending on if you're playing the two gamer, the four gamer, or if you're playing a showdown slate. Um, yeah, Allen looked good last week, threw deep a lot last week. Uh, I'm, I don't know if that was the way the Dolphins are playing defense. Uh, I'm not really sure if it felt, you know, if that's what we're going to be doing going forward as far as Josh Allen, but see a lot of upside, of course, in Allen as is. We may get McKenzie back. I think positive news. Uh, I don't know how much we want to roster McKenzie anyway, but uh, maybe we'll get less of Shakir and less of Beasley and less of John Brown, but stay tuned for that. Uh, John, feel free to open it up as far as the Bills offense. Um, can I start with the Bengals offense? I have more thoughts there. Go for it. I, I think I think Bengals offense are a good case study. It's almost like a litmus test, but it's the playoffs, so there's no time for litmus test. You got to get to get it right. But I, I, I'm still trying to weigh here, like which narrative I'm picking because Burrow, remember against the Bills, engineered an opening touchdown drive uh, against the Bills on yeah on Monday night. And it was only Lyle Collins missing at the time. Whereas now we've seen in his last 11 quarters, no Collins, no right guard, Alex Kappa, no left tackle, Jonah Williams, who's lost this last game. And in that span, we talked about this last week, has averaged 5.7 yards per attempt, three touchdowns and two picks. But also like how the Bills are just excited to be done with the Dolphins the Bengals are so excited to be done with the Ravens they got to move on now because the Ravens have had Burroughs number throughout the year they're the only team that allowed him to 
fewer than seven yards per attempt in all three games. Burrow went one for eight on throws 20 yards downfield against the Ravens this year, 19 to 46, a 41% completion rate for 14 and a half yards per attempt against every other team. And so on one hand, you can say, well, he's played two of those three games against the Ravens in the last two weeks. So like also that's when the Bengals were struggling on the offensive line. But at the same time, if you cite that and you cite the Ravens too high safety usage because they did run out two high safeties to limit downfield passes on over half their defensive snaps, 57%. The Bills actually use two high safeties on the seventh highest rate in the league. So maybe they still are able to limit the Bengals and force them to quick throws regardless of what happens with the offensive line situation. So I, I think I personally think the ceiling could be limited in this game, which seems crazy to say given that we saw, you know, these teams have success at least for a couple drives against one another last time, given the public output expectation of this game. But overall, yeah, I do somewhat worry about what the what the final outcome of this game is for DFS. Rich, your read as far as the Bengals offense? Yeah, uh, you know, it's, it's tough to say because, you know, one, Jonah Williams, you know, wasn't really playing that well in the first place. So, I mean, it could be a thing where Jackson Carmen is potentially just a lateral move or potential upgrade. The right side's still concerned, but Burrow's just been getting rid of the ball so damn quick anyways. I don't know if it's like a huge impact. I mean, you look at – this goes all the way back since week 11. I mean, he's 27th in the NFL in depth of target. Just 7.9% of his throws have been 20 yards or further. Uh, or downfield over that span. It's 29th in the NFL. He's essentially been operating like Justin Herbert is. It's just flown under the radar because he's got a bunch of touchdowns and Justin Herbert didn't. And it was like, you know, and it's it's not as much of a national story of like, why isn't Joe Burrow throwing deep, right? <laughs> but it's not happening. They're playing the, like he has the exact same splits as Justin Herbert uh, over that span. So the fact that they've run such a quick game offense the back half of the year, like is it does the offensive line really even end up being like, a thing that impacts the actual passing game off rhythm more than it's been. What's been weird though, is that we've seen like basically a concentration, just the Jamar chase. Uh, I mean, he's got double digit targets in five games in a row. Uh, he's caught seven or more passes uh, in eight games in a row. Um, and we're car- starting to see like some, you know, cattywampus production from the other guys that we weren't seeing during like the, the stretch run last year, like T Higgins, has turned into just basically like an all or nothing, you know, uh, production type player. I mean, he had now has 40 or fewer yards in five of his past six games. Uh, we know he still has the ceiling to get there. Cause he's got an eight for one twenty eight mixed in. Uh, but like the, the hyper involvement of Jamar chase is just kind of like really kind of neutered T Higgins a little bit. Uh, Tyler Boyd's had the worst season of his NFL career in terms of, of, you know, per game usage. Uh, and, you know, Hayden Hurst really isn't really give us anything. So it's really kind of weird that they've, they've, they're, we want to get the ball to our chase inherently, right? Like we do, but also we want to get some of these other guys involved because they've got a lot of weapons on that side of the ball. And the other guys really aren't coming along for the ride. Um, and I think kind of behooves them to start getting these guys, the football more uh, like a Higgins and Boyd. And we'll see if that happens, you know, in the playoffs here. Do you expect them to lean more heavily on the pass than the run for reasons of the line? Oh, they can't run anyways. It it doesn't matter. They're going to pass an extreme amount is what you're expecting. For the most part. I mean, they they always try to run. You know, Zach Taylor will try to run a little bit, but uh, they can't run. I mean, you look at, uh, you know, Joe Mixon, you know, um, he's just been so bad. Uh, Over 
Uh, 44 running backs this season have 100 or more carries. He's 37th in yards per carry. He's 38th in rate of runs to go for 10 or more yards. He also has faced the light box at the highest rate among all running backs uh, on that field. So, I mean, it's been a really tough run out for Joe Mixon. The saving grace for Mixon is, like Daigle said, like all that stuff, that all the too high stuff has really kind of fed into Mixon just having his career year receiving. Although he's really not doing a lot with the targets, but he's catching a lot more passes and getting a lot more targets as a byproduct of the way this offense has had to operate. But, man, there's been – he's rushed for 100 yards in one game. There's been, like, outside – he's got that Carolina game, right? Like, we know it still exists. But outside of that, like, there have not been a lot of spike Joe Mixon weeks. Which is why it's tough because then you can argue the floor. But, again, we're not chasing median projections here. We're trying to go for ceilings. He's never cheap either. Yeah. So, it's just, like, it's just tough sell on Mixon. John, jump over to the Bills. Uh, I mean, it just depends. Like the Bills offense now has scored 32 points at least in four consecutive games. So we at least think it's there. Josh Allen still had a ceiling last week against the Dolphins. Uh, and so it's they the Dolphins really only hung around, you know, with 16 first downs on 14 drives because the Bills turnover issues have cropped up here in the second half of the season. But even if that happens, like if you, as long as you think the Bengals push back, then of course the Bengals, of course the Bills have a ceiling here. Um, we, we even cited being off of Gabriel Davis, but again, like there were situations where the dolphins left their cornerbacks out on an Island and Gabriel Davis just beat them out wide. So at least we know the target tree is still pretty concerted. Even if we get Isaiah McKenzie back, you question Isaiah McKenzie Dean in a short slate though, given that he was dominantly the team's starting slot receiver before he got injured over Khalil Shakur, I still may play him on a two-game slate, honestly, with Josh Allen. I think I'd be fine with it. So, you, I mean, you know what to do. The, the target tree, again, is really honed down here for the Bills. Yeah. Uh, Rich, what do you have as far as Buffalo's offense? How about the, the backfield? No. <laughs> <laughs> we got yes, lucky no. with James Cook. We got so lucky to get that touchdown with James Cook. It, it's another one of those things, too. Like, I get it. It's the same thing we talked about Elijah Mitchell. Like, you got a touchdown, and you got no points. Like, yeah. you got no points. Like, and these guys are, and this is kind of like what we saw start to happen with like Rashad White and Leonard Fournette, where like, it's the worst kind of split because there's kind of no rhyme or reason to like what role either guy's in. They're just kind of starting to like rotate these guys and play like the regular play, just their offense with the different backs in the game. Right. We'd rather have it be where there's a, you know, one of these guys are locked into a specific archetype, but that's not happening now with James Cook and Devin Singletary. They're basically, you know, 50, 50 over the past six games. Singletary's at 11.7 touches per game. Cook's at 11.1. The Bengals also really good against the run. Neither one of these guys are really getting a huge run out in the pass game. It's just what's what are you getting, right? Like even with a touchdown, what are you getting out of these guys? Uh, Chase versus Diggs in this game. Who, who's a better starting point? Or who, do you, who has a higher ceiling on? I mean, ceiling still would have to be chase i mean he's had a better floor too i would lean towards chase i love but i like both these guys a lot though yeah i don't really the, know how one separates the bills other. have allowed the most 100 yard receivers out of any team except for the lions this season we've seen them they had to rotate they've had to rotate a lot of guys through a lot of injuries in the back end uh wide receiver play has hurt them they're 23rd in the league in points lot deposing wide receiver ones I would lean still chase. I like Diggs a lot though too. Play them both. 
Well, we live in the world of a salary cap, Rich. It's hard to make it work. But, yeah, in theory, I want to play them both as well. Well, you can't play Kelsey if you play them both. <laughs> That's very yeah. true. I, I like Tyler Boyd, too, because the slots where the Bills have allowed leaked a little bit of production here, uh, especially over the last month. They're top 10 in both receiving yards and touchdowns per game allowed to slot receivers. So I, I would get some Tyler Boyd in your life if you're playing this game. Is is Allen the best quarterback on this slate, like raw points? Is it Hurts? Is it Mahomes? Uh, who Who is uh, – do we have a strong lean? Or, like, you know, obviously you want to fire as many lineups as you can, get some combinations here, John, but – is there any way it's like the clear and obvious or no? It's like that's it's that there's a grouping of those three. And Burrow, of course, theoretically could be the top scoring quarterback. That's possible. Not likely, but possible. Yeah. Um, and Dak we'll talk about in a second. He was spectacular last week. One of his best. Yeah, it's tough. It's really tricky. Do we have a lean here as far as a best quarterback, or it's just you know, you you, you build you, you sort of like make you tell yourself a story with your lineup and like well, this is what's gonna happen in this game, therefore I'm gonna lay out these players. Yeah, I hope it works out. I mean, we haven't even gotten to Dak and Brock Purdy either because Jarrett <laughs> McKinnon and Elijah Mitchell are on this standoff of who fades first, but Brock Purdy's right there questioning like who's going to fade away quietly into the night. Uh, and I'm not sure any of them go away this weekend. So, yeah, that, gosh, I, I think it really just comes down to ownership, honestly, because Hurts, Allen, and Mahomes, they're all amazing plays. They're all amazing plays. Yeah. I wish I, I had a think this, this game still has the most like upside though, like from a game environment stance. They could not get there too, but like still like we're talking to like legit bona fide offenses. I think the 49ers game is like a definite like underrated over, but there's a range of outcomes in this game where just neither team stops anybody and but everyone gets goes kind of goes kind of wild. Since he has the best chance to counterpunch amongst like the Giants and the Jags, that's kind of what I'm hearing. Is that what you're saying? That is exactly what you're hearing. Okay. Yeah, I think that makes this sense. This line feels crazy to me, too. The Bengals haven't lost the game that Jamar Chase has played. The, the 20 games in a row, they've been within three points. Yeah. Wow. So you like the Bengals plus five and a half, six? It feels like an overcorrection. Yeah. Uh, all right. One more game to talk about. Before we do that, we do want to appease our sponsor, Thrive. Producer Steve, feel free to props on the page so uh you know we can get uh, john and rich to take a peek at them for what it's worth by the way they have two separate so they have like uh saturday versus sunday version i'm not sure what, which one is going to put up for you guys but feel free to get some winners for the people if you're not aware of thrive join in the fantasy prop action this nfl season with thrive fantasy it's easy to play no salary cap uh no salary cap style contest revolves around over under style player props each prop has a fantasy score associated with the prop the riskier the prop happens to be, the higher the fantasy score. You want to rack up the most points for your share of the prize pool. Use the promo code GRINDERS. That's G-R-I-N-D-E-R-S. for uh, When you sign up, the positive bonus up to $250 as well as free tickets. Terms and conditions do apply. Check out Rotor Runner's review page for Thrive Fantasy in the description for more uh, information on uh, how to get involved in Thrive. And again, use that promo code GRINDERS to up to a $250 deposit bonus and you get free ticket con contest tickets as well. Uh, John, feel free to give the people some winners and be as ambitious as you want to be, as ambitious as you are. The more points you get if we hit, then I give you enough time to peruse uh, the props. Uh, yeah, we talked about a lot of these already, so we can go with Trevor Lawrence. I know we eat the juice, but I'm still willing to go over two, 245 and a half, given that... 
the volume we expect to be there for the Jags to keep up, even if they fall behind, just to keep up. It's going to be an up-tempo game script. We talked about Christian Kirk and why we love him significantly over Zay Jones, given the Chiefs' struggles from the slot. So I will go more at even money, even points, 16.5 receiving yards. And then one more, not to take away everything from Rich on a short slate, but one more if you scroll down. I believe I saw Judas Smith-Schuster. Yeah, I'll go over five and a half catches for 20 more points, given the struggles of the Jaguars from the slot specifically. He's not playing the slot. <laughs> Juju leads the team in slot routes, correct? He's only, he's only been 60-40 uh, the last six weeks. Okay. He's basically been playing outside. All right, we're playing it anyways because we're too far in the hole. Documented. <laughs> Rich, see those props and raise them. What, what's jumping out to you? Do you leave you some scraps or something you like? Yeah, yeah, and I think a big part of that with the Chiefs is that they've been just playing a lot more tight ends, right? And they've been playing a lot less 11 wow. personnel. And, and you know, that, that's been a lot of Noah Gray in that area of the field. Uh, and it's kind of kicked Juju outside a little bit more. Uh, but yeah, the, we had a kicker on here. That's I don't think we've seen a kicker on here. I'm not going to touch it, but I don't remember seeing a kicker on here all year. Uh, that's new for the playoffs. Um, we can't touch this Miles Sanders one, although it's ludicrous that they put it on there. Uh, I mean, AJ Brown over 73 and a half receiving yards. We, we can get down with that. We can even t- play for the Goddard touchdown, right? 120 versus 80. We can play for the Goddard touchdown. We talked about those giants linebackers. Uh, what's in this Bengals game? Anything hot down here? Um, Dawson oh, Knox is also on that train of uh, Jarek McKinnon. Will will he eventually not score a touchdown in a game? Who knows? They had mercy on uh, Maher, by the way. He's not in the uh, the Dallas. There's no kicker props for Dallas, as far as I can tell, at least in this uh, this collection. Dude, Zeke, this Zeke, 50 and a half rushing yards over how oh. many games against the 49ers? <laughs> That How many games under. against the 49ers does it take Zeke to get 51 rushing yards? Yeah. Um, and I think everybody's on to that one. We'll, we'll talk about that, obviously, <laughs> in a second. But, like, it's so clearly Pollard. Like, it didn't matter last week because they were just kind of, like, you know, hitting the cruise control, essentially. The game was over. But when the game is close, and I guess we'll talk about that in a second. We're done. We're done with the props. We give the people plenty. Feel free to figure out the rest on your own. Win yourself some money at Thrive. And, again, we'll get you started with a nice deposit bonus. $250 deposit bonus or up to uh, use that promo code grinders on thrive uh, last game on the slate. The fourth one, Dallas at San Fran 45 and a half is a total Dallas three and a half point dog here. And yeah, Rich, I guess we can start there. If you want, as far as the Dallas offense stack look awesome. Uh, their line, obviously getting better. I'm not a big offensive line, but I know like they're looking, you know, they've got back some as well. Uh, I don't know if they're going to help out Zeke, but they can help out Pollard for sure. Um, yeah, Elliot. Just unless you're like on the one yard line, that's when they bring him in just to give him like the, the nominal touchdown, I suppose. But it's so clearly uh, Pollard over Elliot, and I, I think that's going to happen in this uh, playoff game, which matters the most. Feel free to tell me otherwise. No, no, I think that's right. This game could be uh, sneakily a lot of fun uh, because both of these teams are really good at defending the run, and both these teams have been really bad at defending wide receivers, especially over the back half of the season. So we could have a run out here. We have some pretty solid passing production uh, and some stuff funneled there. Uh, you know, I did see someone in the chat point out, like, we don't like any running backs. I think this is a great slate to, to play 
four receivers, man. I think it's it's not a great slate to pay up for a lot of these running backs. You do have to play somebody. I think Miles, we didn't even talk about Miles Sanders. I think he's clearly the best running back play on the slate. But, uh, you know, Christian McCaffrey, I'm going to tell you not to play Christian McCaffrey. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> uh, obviously, he's the, the the top elite, you know, premier fantasy play on this particular slate and mostly any slate that he's on. But, you know, you look at the, his production and it's come against a lot of these teams that are really bad against running backs. But there's a game mixed into his sample here over the past five weeks where they faced the Washington Commanders and he only had 58 total yards. And Dallas isn't quite on that level, but they're not far off either. Uh, they're 11th in yards per carry allowed to running backs. They're fourth in success rate against running back carries. They've allowed just six rushing touchdowns to running backs in the NFL. That's tied for uh, second in the NFL. They've allowed a first down or touchdown in just 20% of running back carries. That's seventh in the NFL. And they also have only allowed 6.4 receiving points per game to running backs, the third fewest in the NFL as well. You know, they've got a lot of speed uh, and they can tackle, which kind of limits a lot of those dump offs. So, I mean, listen, CMC is going to be really popular. People are, you're going to be able to be able to jam him in on this slate, especially, but he's going to be really popular playing running backs against the 49ers. Don't recommend it. Not very good. I think it's a great spot for the Cowboys to keep leaning on Tony Pollard. His playmaking ability and speed are definitely a leverage over Zeke, but uh, the most rushing yards an individual running back has had against the 49ers year is 69 yards. Uh, the most yards per carry they've allowed to any running back on 10 or more carries is 4.3 yards. They're number one in the NFL in yards per carry allowed to running backs. They've only allowed two running backs to have 80 or more total yards in a game against them this season. So we're going to really need a big play out of Tony Pollard, but uh, this, this game we'll, we'll get to it, but like, man, I want the passing pieces here. This this game could have be a way better passing game than I think it's getting steamed up for. Feel free to jump in here, John, as far as your Cowboys take. Yeah. Rich likes bills. Bengals the most. I like this game the most. I think the over is pretty sneaky here. Uh, I like this game the most. I just think. Oh, okay. The, that from a top down stance, like the, those, the bills and Bengals are the two best offenses facing each other. Sure. And it'll probably garner the most ownership on the four games late. I'm trying to think about Jags chiefs, but Kelsey makes it so hard that probably not, but overall, like it's even funny to look at it considering Dak opened that game over four, with uh, two CD lamb drops and then went 25 of 29 for 300 yards and four touchdowns the rest of the way. What's funny though, is that much like last week with the Cowboys having the advantage in the slot, it's the same thing for the 49ers here since the San Francisco has been exploited for the fourth most receiving yards per game, third most touchdowns in the slot. So we still have confidence CD lamb here. And on the other side of the ball, like last week, the entire 49ers team combined for two catches for 15 yards from the slot. Like basically all of the receiving production came from the boundary. And that was against a Seahawks defense that allowed the fewest yards per target all year from the outside. Whereas the Dallas defense has allowed three more touchdowns than any other team from out wide over the second half of the season. So like we think that yet again, these pieces for the Niners through the passing game are going to be just as great. Like it, it was on Tom Brady knowing that the pressure was coming to get the ball out very quickly. But Pro Football Focus keeps track of like quarterbacks getting the ball out quickly. And Brock Purdy this year has gotten rid of the ball in less than two and a half seconds on 51% of his dropbacks. And he's at in his average, he's completed 73% of his passes for the third most yards per attempt on the season. So yeah, I think the 49ers have success, a lot of success through the air. And I think the Cowboys can get the job done too. Cheapest quarterback on the board, Purdy. But, again, there's a bigger opportunity cost as well. 
uh, four-game slate, but you know, you're if you're rostering Purdy, Purdy, you're bypassing Mahomes, you're bypassing Hurts, you're bypassing Allen and Burrow, and heck, even uh, even Dak. You can say uh, everybody else. You're by, you know, you're, you're making a bold stance there, and you know, obviously, you can't uh, have to be the top at his asking price, but you know, close to the podium for sure. Um, yeah, Matt McCaffrey. Dean, last forty. Last 49er yeah. quarterback to throw multiple passing touchdowns in seven straight games. Who was it? Brock Purdy's done it. Who's the last one? Kaepernick? Or is it like yeah. Montana? We're young. <laughs> How far back are we going? Uh, 2001. Who was the 2001 quarterback for San Francisco? Um, man. Uh, is it somebody I, I should remember? Yeah, is it yeah. is I it guess, Albert Kerbeck? Uh is it Jeff Garcia? Yep, yep. Jeff that's Garcia. That's a good answer. Yeah, that's that's it. Forgot about him. Yeah, well, Jeff Garcia. Browns legend, Jeff Garcia. He had ter- he had Terrell Owens for a little bit. So oh yeah. Yeah. Um so like, you know, it's a small we're I guess you're buying, or is that you're just throwing out the stats? No, I think it's stat. it's it's an interesting spot because obviously this is the biggest test Purdy's had. I mean, so since he became a starter. The defenses that Purdy has faced in passing points allowed per attempt rank 25th, 15th, 26th, 28th, 27th, and 15th, the 15th of two Seattle games. Uh, And that was coming into the matchup that they faced. Uh, So Seattle's the best defense he's faced from a passing stance. Uh, Dallas top 10 in that category. They're also first in the NFL in pressure rate. Uh, you know, getting home is pretty key. You know, Purdy, when he's not been pressured on non-blitzes, leads the NFL in passer rating. He's completed 71% of his passes, 9.1 yards or passes to have eight touchdowns. Uh, but when you can blitz and get pressure on him, he's only completed 50% of his passes, 3.6 yards for pass attempt uh, when blitz and pressured, uh, two touchdowns, only one interception. Um, he does have a high touchdown interception rate when just outright pressured on non-blitzes, but his completion rate still just 50%. He has a dip in yards for pass attempt. So we are going to see him actually tested for the first time uh, in this game. But, I mean, the 49ers just have so many dudes that they yeah. can get the ball to, man. Like, they're just such a – they put you in such a box. And they're all so versatile, right? Like, t- from a top-down stance, the 49ers don't have, like, the best, like, receiving unit. Like, they don't have a Justin Jefferson. They have a Chase. But in terms of depth and versatility, I mean, it's hard to say, like, there's a better offense than the 49ers, right? Um, and that they just put you in so many uh, binds, you know, whether it be through Debo last week, you know, taking away, you know, Ayuk on the outside or Kittle or even using a guy like Kyle Juszczyk, you know, being able to swap in a guy like Elijah Mitchell. There's a lot here to work with. And the Cowboys are going to be on their, what, sixth road game in, in seven weeks, uh, you know, fourth road game in a row. And yeah, sixth and seven weeks. Uh, they're going on a short week. 49ers have, a, you know, played on Saturday. So they basically have two extra days of rest. They're going from Tampa Bay all the way to Dallas, all the way to San Francisco. Not very ideal. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's tough to say, like, this will be the spot like Purdy falters. But, I mean, if it is one thing, it is the hardest. It's the best defense he's faced by far, uh, even though I think the wide receivers are still going to put up their stats for the 49ers. The Cowboys tried to get Xavier Rhodes out there. He played 29% of snaps. And then the, the Bucks recovered that onside kick. And Rhodes was actually the one that Evan scorched wide open down the sideline. Brady just missed him by fingertips length on that throw. And the 49ers have been just as bad as the Cowboys. Uh, over the past seven weeks, the only team that's allowed more catches, yards, and touchdowns to wide receivers than the 49ers is the Cowboys. Mm. 
so, I mean, there's an opportunity. And the 49ers, 58% of the fantasy points they've allowed have gone to wide receivers. It's the highest rate in the league. Uh, DK smashed them last week. I mean, there, there's there's a, an opportunity here, I think, for this to be kind of like a fun passing game. And, and no one's really expensive outside of Lamb. Debo is reasonably priced. Ayuk is priced down now because he's had, you know, uh, you know, a couple down weeks. Michael Gallup never, his price has never moved. Uh, and the ghost of T.Y. Hilton is, is officially bypassed Noah Brown. So, um, yeah, maybe there's a chance here for uh, even a Juwan Jennings touchdown or some bullshit. How do you feel about T.Y. as a dart? I saw somebody in chat asking about him. and I, I think they threw a deep ball to him as well, like a, maybe 50 yards down the field. It was a miss. But it's just good to know like that's like in the in the bag and in the uh, the option of possibilities. You know, that's what he used to be, obviously, whenever you play against Houston, right? <laughs> Everybody knows about that stat. I'm sure you know. But T.Y. against Houston uh, in the Dome, it was always good times. Uh, is he an interesting dart, uh, Rich, uh, T.Y. Hilton? You kind of like made a joke about it, but – Maybe it's something that like, could be a separator in tournaments, especially on a two-game slate. Yeah, potentially. I mean, any of these – I mean, I joked, I flippantly said Juwan Jennings, but, I mean, he's averaging 15 yards per catch with Brock Purdy under center. Uh, there's opportunities there. But, I mean, it's it's such a big wide receiver slate that, you know, maybe one of these Jamokes is really kind of the key. I don't know. But it's it's the thing is, like, when you get down to, like, the gallops and TYs, you have to ask yourself, like, is even if they score a touchdown, is it enough, right? And I know that's something we keep posing. Uh, yeah, you know, on this slate. I mean, so you look at Gallup, he, or he did score the touchdown last week, but I mean, just 46 yards. He hasn't had, he's had more than 49 yards in just one game. His season high is 63. Maybe this is a good week for them to press that though, because of all those things I brought up uh, about the 49ers defense. Maybe he's going to topple that 63 this week. Uh, I'll play TY over Gallup any day, <laughs> any day. Good. I, I like that. That's a question I was thinking about in my head. He's a little bit cheaper too. And okay, at least, at least TY's depth of target is like over 15 yards. Like if TY gets a touchdown, it's not going to be a little slant route. It's going to be a massive yeah, be one. Probably long. Yeah. Whereas Gallup is literally like Rich said, he's just depending on touchdowns. He's gone over 50 yards one game all year. It is only touchdowns. And that's not what I want to chase here. I mean, there's obviously context to all these questions I'm asking, but right. the people want to know, John, like, uh, Lamb or, or Debo? Like, obviously, again, this this decision uh, influences another decision, and, like, your whole lineup is telling a story on these Gosh. small slates especially. But who would you prefer, like, in the old uh, – in the Hoover in the vacuum? They're both just awesome plays. Uh, they're both amazing plays. I, I guess it would be Debo because we're still getting a few carries here and there. We've now seen four starts with Debo from Brock Purdy as well. And uh, week 13, 24% target share, which was a team high. Week 14, 21.7% target share, tied for the team high. His first game back was in week 18. He had a 15% target share. And then last week, another team high mark, 30% target share from Purdy. So uh, we talk about the rapport George Kittle had with Purdy. And that was true whenever Debo was out. But you could argue Debo has a much better rapport with Purdy. So, yeah, I – Given salary, I think it's I think it's Debo, but both are just awesome plays. Rich, feel free to give your thoughts on that. And but I'm just throwing it out there, like you know, we kind of joked about it. I was kind of like how good tight ends did last week, and they were obviously accessible the entire season. But this is another slate with a good pool of tight ends. We don't like the running back pool necessarily. Uh, I know running four receivers certainly makes sense, but I think two tight ends isn't completely crazy. Two of Ingram, Kelsey. You know, Goddard, Knox is playable, Hurst is playable, uh, Kittle, Schultz. Like each team has at least one 
And I didn't mean to like neglect Ballinger. He can fall in the end zone, sure. I don't know. Rich is a uh, two tight ends. Is that is that in the uh, the conversation? The realm of possibilities when making. Yeah, I mean, probably just because I'm on all these receivers. So I mean, I'm sure it'll be wrong. But man, this receiver slate is so awesome. I mean, you, you, all the rest. I think Ayuk is a great play in this game mm-hmm. too. Uh, you know, this is a whole receiver slate, especially on the Sunday, is is incredible. Uh, I, I mean, T Higgins is finally super priced down, uh, especially on DraftKings. Um, he hasn't, you know, he hasn't been the best, but like we know that like something exists there, a high ceiling. It's just a phenomenal wide receiver slate that I have a hard time talking myself into anything other than four wide receivers. So that will probably be wrong. You're making one lineup, Rich. Who's like the first receiver you put in that one lineup? Again, a lot of context, but in your in your head, ideally with your perfect lineup, who's the first receiver you put in? Man, probably, probably Chase or Lamb. Man, because the Cowboys are going to have to throw, like, regardless. So there's a couple ways the Cowboys have to throw, right? One is just game script, right? They're road dogs. The other is they just can't run the ball against the 49ers. And, you know, it just turns into a pass funnel game. And we know Lamb has just a lot less to contend with in terms of targets than anyone on the 49ers. And he moves around. He's so versatile. Uh, Man. And, and I think it's a, a spot to fade both the tight ends in this game. I mean, both these defenses have been awesome against tight ends all year. It's not that either tight end can't get there. Both the talent the talent is there. But the 49ers are definitely a, a tough team to throw, uh, you know, throw against with tight ends. You know, Fred Warner's been awesome basically for the last, you know, four years. Uh, and then the Cowboys have been really good against tight ends. The Cowboys have been allowed two t- touchdowns to tight ends uh, all season. And Cameron Bright was the second one last week. So, and Kittle is another one of these guys, right? Like, He's had fewer than 40 yards now in 10 of his 16 games this year. It's really cool when you're scoring two touchdowns a game and, you you know, we can laugh it off and say, ah, Kittle only got 27 yards last week. Oh, we had two <laughs> touchdowns. But, you know, when you see the touchdowns dry up, right, like it finally the regression comes and you see like, ooh, I just paid 7K for my tight end that had 27 yards. Ain't too, ain't too good, man. Good, good feeling at tight end when you know you can get that production basically from any other tight end that, you know, especially on this slate they're all good except for Bellinger. Yeah, Kittle seven one on Fandle, five seven on DK. John, same question. You feel free. I don't want. I don't want to limit you to receiver, but by all means, take a receiver. Just like maybe the first player, the first little mini stack that like uh, you think you're going to lean on heavily, or maybe appears in your very first, maybe your single entry lineup. This game's my favorite. Uh, I think Chiefs Jaguars. I prefer more so than Bengals Bills personally, and so that's kind of where I will start. Christian Kirk, Juju, Debo, C.D. Lamb. Uh, may need to squeeze in a second tight end there. I, I don't think so, though. I, w- I wonder if, like, a skeleton key will be Samaji Pirine. I'm still considering this oh. on on DraftKings because it, it will at least let me afford more. And we, if you think Joe Burrow, it, it really just depends on your own narrative. If you think the offensive line issues matter, because if you don't, whatever. But at least we know from last week, P. Ryan was ran in 22 routes to Mixon's 10. And so he was out there. He got out touched 14 to 2, but he was out there running routes and uh, and short slates. That's all I care about. Like Marvin Jones, even, you know, was out there running routes. So yeah, if the if that that structure allows me to spend up at wide receiver, I may play P. Ryan as one of my two running backs. Yeah, that's the story. The story you're telling yourself is that Cincinnati's playing catch up. That's the story. Um, and then P. Yeah. Ryan, I, I would assume if they're down, you know. 24-7, middle of third quarter, he's more likely to get some additional reps. 
That makes sense. Yes, John. I assume he's mixing. Given, the- given the structure of the slate, yes, that makes sense, and that's better than you know still chasing this Elijah Mitchell, which we've gotten lucky the last two weeks. Um, but like that, that's gonna run out before Jarrett McKinnon runs out, in my opinion. Also, like if Jarrett McKinnon ends his hot streak, then we're just stuck there with the six K Jarrett McKinnon when you could just literally spend nearly two K less for Samaj Piran for hopefully like four to six catches. So I think that's the way I prefer to look at it. I mean, the Mitchell one, it's like they traded for CMC for this. Correct. Uh, you know, they're going to give him as much as they can give him. They babied him kind of a little bit along the way, as much as he can, like a superstar. And Mitchell also is not going to catch the ball. Like, what is his out, right? Like, he's just on the field for a, a CMC breather. His, one. his and, out is a touchdown on four routes. That's his out. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, I don't, it doesn't feel great. Doesn't mean it can't happen, but it's, I, what's the story you tell yourself that Elijah Mitchell is important in this slate? Um, it's it's a it's got to be a tall. You're, you're going to take some leaps and bounds, I suppose. It's fun slate. There's there yeah. a lot of good plays. It's a fun slate. I don't mind bricking RB two this week. I feel like that's what I want to do. Yeah, I mean, you know, especially on the Sunday slate because just the floor versus the salary for everyone outside of McCaffrey is is what I fe- I feel is almost similar to those guys, right? Like the floor for Tony Pollard, the floor for Joe Mixon. The floor for Zeke Elliott, the floor for either Bills running back. I mean, obviously, you know, James Cook is only we can remove him because of the salary. Uh, you know, you play just play a James Cook, you play a P Ryan, you hope for the best, uh, you know, outside of CMC, because the floor for all those other guys is really low. And if it gets you the stud receiver, is that I mean, that's what I'm saying? Because yeah. the, I think the floor for using that salary for the the Jamar Chases, the Stephon Diggs, your flavor of choice, whether you are a Lamb guy, whether you're a Diggs guy, whether you're a Chase you know, Chase Gamer, uh, all of the floors for that salary is just so much higher. Um, I can't use 7-7 seven, seven on Joe Mixon, right, versus Stephon Diggs. It, especially if, like you said, Rich, you're expecting Kadarius Tony to get steamed. I'd much rather just pay up at a different – or pay down at a different position too, which at least helps flip the build a little bit. Yeah, I mean, the Saturday through Sunday opens up a little bit more if you're doing the both. I mean, particularly on the Sunday-only slate. I mean, it's Christian McCaffrey, and then I think everyone yeah. has really sketchy floors, like yeah. really basement-level floors uh, outside of it. Because McCaffrey, even if, you know, you obviously want the spike, what you're paying for at that salary, but, like, McCaffrey, like, outright failing is is feels like in the lower end of probability versus any of the other running backs just outright failing. I like that thought process. Thanks it makes a ton of sense. Even though it's not even a good, like it's not a good math play. It's not that you like them, but it's what does it get you on the rest of your lineup? And it gets to get the guys you really, really want, and it gets you probably an extra, uh, an extra stud. I haven't built anything out just yet, but that makes that makes a lot of sense as far as getting the premier receivers and just get the, the right combination to land on. Because That's on the Sunday cool. slate, you can theoretically build around all of the big receivers uh, and and get them in. Like you can play Chase Diggs and potentially either Debo and Lamb, uh, you know, if you're bricking RB2 because the cost for Ayuk uh, is so low, potentially the cost for T. Higgins is low enough to where you can use one of those guys as well. And those guys have ceilings higher than a lot of the running backs on the slate. Yeah, uh, interesting as far as lineup construction Sunday only. Um, we're going to be doing a – I guess we're running it back as far as our movie back. We're going to be doing it one more time, I, I think. Yes. Last week it got really goofy because we had Fandle. one ready to go on Fandle and, uh, you know, it got zapped. There was a misunderstanding, I think, was the official term. 
<laughs> we thought um, we had Augusta yeah to man did i so i never saw like any of the fallout there because obviously i was tied up saturday i'm not even like what even ended up happening I mean, Fandle just like they, they sent out a tweet and said, like, sorry for the misunderstanding. Uh, these contests are gone, basically. The site, uh, the site collapsed live in front of everyone. Like literally every every lineup got taken off the site and then eventually the money unreal. was refunded. And that was it. That literally unreal. just disappeared out of out of anywhere. Everyone was just stuck. There was no contest. If you want to be a conspiracy theorist, there was a lot of overlay brewing. Uh, I'm not saying that she's, that's what you should do. There was a lot of overlay out there. It was about a half hour before the official, maybe maybe 40 minutes, less than an hour until until lock. Um, but yeah, but they had it happen, I think, on other, maybe for hockey as well, or maybe MMA. It wasn't just that football slate, but hopefully the kinks are worked out and we'll be able to run back our movie bet. That's the analysis for the show. We do appreciate y'all listening. Uh, and oh, I should have mentioned at the top, like my bad, because maybe we have less listeners now, but we're planning on coming back for the two-gamer because why not? We're going to do the two-gamer as well, uh, the AFC and the NFC Championship. There's going to be probably million-dollar contests, so we're happy to talk about it and break we it down. Leaving. We ain't leaving. <laughs> <laughs> we ain't leaving. Yeah. Be- hey, listen, it's, it's a great round of football. Remember, the divisional round last year was arguably one of the best weekends of football. Yep. So hopefully we get a run back. Uh, the wild card round was excellent, though. There was a lot of really good games. Uh, I know I wasn't really live tweeting for them, but the games were fun, and hopefully we get a run back of that this weekend. And we are done with Monday Night Football. Not for our lifetimes. We're actually going to get a Monday playoff game for the rest of our lifetime. So I hope everyone's ready for that. But beyond that, the divisional round, you know, two games, two days, and then we get to next week, and it's two games one day. It gets easier from here. It, gets, it makes much more sense from here on out. John, we have to discuss the movie. And again, if you guys want to tune out, by all means, you know, we're done with analysis. We're happy to have you. And hang hang out. Just don't be up. Wait, talk football. We talk football for an hour and 15 minutes. Uh, now we're going to talk uh, Street Fighter and Raul Julia because that's we, uh, John Daigle insisted <laughs> that we uh, watch, you know, a test call. He won the contest. So he has to, uh, you know, myself, Rich, producer Steve will be jumping in in a second as well. Our punishment, sometimes it's not a punishment. This time it felt a little bit like one, but we'll discuss it. Street Fighter. So you have that one friend, right? Like when you go out and you're like, you're too old to like drink 151, right? Like you don't, you you know, you're not wearing three wise men right now. And like Daigle's that dude. Like Daigle's that dude. It's like, let's get these. Let's get these. I'm like, (laughs) you know, that's what, that's what this movie choice was. Yeah. John, do you want to uh, recap? But why did we get Street Fighter again? Because The Last of Us started last week. And so I just thought it would be fun to pick a video game theme. And did so, you guys watch The Last of Us? Uh, yes. I have, I have not watched it. Okay. Is it good? Yeah, it was excellent. Well, I, I thought so. I'm speaking I don't to myself. Wanna, like, so. I don't want to wait a week. I just want to, I want the season to end and then I can binge it all. Fair enough. That's that's the way I view things nowadays. I can watch them in one We're so day. So spoiled, like Netflix. Me and you played the game. Did you enjoy the first episode? No spoilers. Yes. Yeah. I'm not gonna. I know we live in a society. I'm not gonna ruin the, any spoilers for the people. Um, yeah. The game. And I'm not like a huge gamer, but like I knew it was coming on HBO, and I'm like, yeah. Let me. Ch-. And I knew it was like an all timer. People loved it like ten years ago, and I played the game. I thoroughly enjoyed it, and then uh, yeah, watch the uh, watch the very first episode. Uh, and I, I was like, I, the whole time I was trying to figure out, and I know I have the, the Google machine, but like, where do I recognize this girl from? She was like the like really, really young. Obviously, she was younger. We're always younger. Uh, she was younger on a Game of Thrones. Yeah, both are from Thrones. 
The other oh, woman I, that played Tess, uh, you know, had very Carrie Coon vibes, man. Like I was like, ah, I, I yeah. <laughs> oh, from the other fabulous HBO show with the three percent of people. What's yeah, the name leftovers? Of that yes, phenomenal. Which nobody talks about, but just an incredible series. Love it's leftovers. Like, it's like three different shows because it's like each season they flip it. It, it, put that on the list. It's not for everybody, though. Like, you can't really blindly recommend The Leftovers because I think the third season really deterred me. Like, it, it just it took a big left turn. It's it was always taking left, but yeah, I, I understand that. It, first and yeah, first and second, though, I can get behind third one. It it became like a Cormac McCarthy book. Like we we brought in the Messiah, and there's just lots of things going on in the third one. The dude from Perfect Strangers, spoiler alert, made an appearance. Yeah. <laughs> Which is and not Balky. Sorry if you want your hope for Balky. It was the other but, yeah, yeah. L- Young Lady Mormont, though, as Ellie in the show. Yeah, that yeah, there you go. Yeah, I knew I reckon and like I had to hit the Google. I'm like, where she's got a pretty, I don't know, recognizable yeah, face, yeah. I guess you can say. Just and obviously uh, Pascal was a legend on Thrones. Right. Yeah. And, and Narcos Mexico, which is everyone should watch because it's an incredible series. I've not watched any of the Narcos stuff. I hear Dude, it's great. Narcos is incredible. I've heard it's good. And there's very, spot, very violent, right? but very, very good. Yeah. Um, that's a good well, it, we should talk about Street Fighter. We that's should have watched weird. that. We should have watched Narcos <laughs> Anything to yeah, I'm just, just deflecting at this point. <laughs> uh, we should have watched Narcos Mexico instead of Street Fighter, who I, I which I picked for the video game theme. But to be fair, I did give you all like four or five choices, and I understand some of those choices consisted of the Super Mario Brothers movie. But even <laughs> I, after watching Street Fighter, would argue that was probably a better choice, not remembering anything about the Super Mario Brothers movie whatsoever. Street Fighter got 11% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's, it's definitively one of the worst movies of all time. And I just thought, because I liked it as a kid, probably because I enjoyed Street Fighter the video game, I thought, okay, it can't be as bad as everyone's saying since I recall enjoying it as a teenager. And that's not the case. Uh, I watched it night one, and I fell asleep after like the cage fight scene, which is terrible. And then I thought, Quick. okay, it, it was late at night. No big deal. Let's watch it again. I turned it off. I was like, I have to split this into three segments because this movie is so horrific. And then I eventually <laughs> finished it up. And in the end, as you know, nothing matters. Nothing, it doesn't matter in this movie. It just kind of goes. So, uh, yeah, we should have watched Bloodsport or Narcos Mexico or something else outside of Street Fighter. Yeah, 11% according to the critics. Now, some people say, well, what about the audience? That's what matters. 20%, 20%. Correct. And sample size, critics, only 44 critics can actually stomach walking to the theaters and watching this movie. 50,000 people have rated this. <laughs> I don't know where those people are. They probably got angry. They watched the movie and had to come violently rate it because it was so bad. I spent four American dollars on this. Um, you know, I, I'm sure I've spent four dollars worse, but I, that's what I spent. Uh, on Amazon yeah. to watch same, it. Same as me. I, I will say I, I've seen this movie a, a few times uh, uh, and I knew what I was getting into and I went in with just to to, to enjoy enjoy the terribleness and uh, you know I, I, I had an alright time doing it. Uh, I watched this while I was riding the bike. Uh, I appreciate the the Bisonopolis uh, you know something you know mm-hmm. the, the name. I, I, it had a they had a nice uh, a, a good display right like we, we don't see those uh, uh, a model we don't see a nice model anymore on a desk. Uh, uh, it looked like someone made that thing out of like four dollars. Like these guys, like, you know, <laughs> those, like paper mache buildings and stuck them up. Uh, had fun with that. Uh, but yeah, it's listen, it's there just to be 
goofy. If you treat it like it's goofy, you can kind of have some more fun with it, but it's objectively not good if you want to get anything, you know, from it. If you're trying to really try anything from it. It's. I'll give it. I'll say a couple. Of, I mean, it's not as bad as I thought it would be. You can put that in the back of the DVD. I thought it'd be worse. Um, and I will give it credit. Like, there's like these. You know, this world. Street Fighter is what 10, 15 characters, twenty characters that have already like been established, and they found a way to create a story with these characters, which you know that's not easy to do. And some of them are just sort of crowbarred in, right? Some of them doesn't make a lot of sense right. logically. But like they at least sort of like tried, and I appreciated that. There, there was there was an effort to do that, and like that's not easy as like a a thought and of course like it came out in the mid 90s and it certainly looked like it did there's it was dated for sure i've never really thought of raul julia as like this is like the big boss like he doesn't look like a guy that can really kick a lot of dudes asses but uh i, I you're good for him like he doesn't seem like a big tough guy but and he, he played it up you know it was kind yeah, of he was having fun he leaned it. into it he leaned into it well enough yeah yeah and I, it's disappointing for his career i'm pretty sure that was his very last movie even at the end of the credits it said like uh, it kind of gave him like an homage, like a, a, yeah, a kind yeah. of a shout out. Um, but uh, you know, because I, I don't. That, go ahead. The thing that kills this movie the most is the dude <laughs> that plays Ken is awful. Yes, the dude that yes. plays Ken is absolutely miserable in this movie. Like, and he just it makes it so bad. Uh, Ken is terrible. <laughs> he, he's definitely terrible. I also thought that the Van Dam is bad for different reasons, but you know why that he got that role yeah yeah he was doing his thing i also thought that uh vega who wears the mask was like far too attractive when he removed the mask like i always imagined him as like a nightmare um something scary you don't want to face and then he was actually just like a male model whenever he took off the mask that was unfortunate that's a good point um but damien chapa sorry damien chapa if you're out there listening that he played ken masters i don't know what else he's done beyond that but uh, they, they saw him act in this movie and said no more. <laughs> he's a working actor. He has he has his moment. He's uh, well, oh, he's a director now and a producer. That's what nice. he's doing. Good for him. Uh, he's behind the camera. He's doing some things. He was so in Under Siege, which we should also watch one day. <laughs> Steven Seagal is an upgrade or oh, a downgrade yeah. in John Glaude. It's an upgrade from this movie. I know that. <laughs> I'm going to well, object guys to watch the Seagal yeah. SNL, which is like it's hard to find the Seagal in SNL. But if you find it, it's amazing. Just uh, remember, if you go with Dangle to the bar, he's buying you that 151 shot. <laughs> <laughs> is producer Steve coming in on this? I'm not sure if he watched the movie with us or not. But if he, he There's is, a reason he hasn't jumped in. Yeah. He, he watched he the a, movie. One out of ten. Maybe the worst <laughs> movie I've ever seen. <laughs> I now, did you play the movie one of Dangle's other suggestions. Super sad. <laughs> hey, there's still time for you to you go still watch, can Mortal watch Kombat. Super Mario Brothers. If yeah, you watch. Oh, it was uh, it was a newer one. Uh, Ready Player One. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I would have much rather watched that. All right. I, I got was some, a I got some DMs agreeing with me on the book too. By the way, the book is still amazing. I was a little excited because I forgot it was Street Fighter, and when I was looking <laughs> it up, I was thinking it was Mortal Kombat. I'm like, oh, it was a choice. <laughs> to be fair, the first too. Mortal Kombat does not hold either. Right. That's why I was hoping y'all picked that one because it's not good. Uh, I just rewatched that recently. Okay. I, I have not rewatched it recently. I remember it was bad. <laughs> I did go to theaters for the remake, and I had fun. That doesn't mean it's good. I just remember having fun. That that's the most important thing is if you had that's fun. Right. That's right. Not just about having good, fun. Good or not, fun, fun, and if a reptile shows up, we're always just looking for reptile. We need them in every movie. 
<laughs> What's that? Uh, the Ice Cube movie, Anaconda. Is that you a big fan of Anaconda? Oh yeah, yeah. John Voight's accent in that movie is incredible. <laughs> uh, Jennifer Lopez, Owen Wilson's in that. That that is a cast. There's a good cast there for sure. John Voight's accent in that movie, though. Oh my god, just impeccable. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I, I guess we don't have a, a movie for this week again because half the guys, you guys are eliminated. You, you, weren't, you didn't participate, which is fine. And there was all sorts of confusion. But I guess we'll run it back one more time. And uh, I, I have a proposal. If you win, that I guess this will be the last time we're doing it this year. Yes, I think so. Um, uh, you can assign each person your own. You can personalize it. Um, you know, with that per- person, if that makes sense. Is that a good idea or a bad idea? Maybe it's a bad idea. Are we going to, if we win, do, just, do we have until like Monday through Tuesday to watch it? Is that how this works? <laughs> oh, I, oh, I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Tur- I guess turn it around. Would you guys be able to do, I, I can, I can make it work. That's, you know, not a big deal. Is that, is that an issue for you guys or we can, we can knock it out this week? Yeah, it should be fine. Okay. I'm actually, I actually might be seeing Dagle in person next weekend. Uh, you, watch you definitely together. are. Yeah. <laughs> who's who's coming to who? We both will be going. Somewhere. Yeah, both intertwining. There's a, okay. there's a there's a poker night um, in Dayton, Ohio, that we're going to. What? <laughs> okay. Is this with the uh, what was? God, I couldn't think of it. In Rounders, Matt Damon with the police. Uh, the, the, and, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. why I don't know why I was going. I will not only buy you a shot of one fifty one. I'm warm. Yeah, I'll, nah. get, you, I'll get you kicked out of the poker game. <laughs> Well, uh, well, listen. We'll all just concede. We'll punt, and we'll all watch Rounders for next week. Oh man, Get <laughs> that sounds amazing. That sounds incredible. Has producer Steve seen Rounders? I'm going to bet no. If anyone yeah. wants to take the other side, I'm going to say no. But you should, Steve. You really should. I have not. You guys are all right. Yeah. Oh, Maybe it. we should just watch that instead. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. You could argue Matt Damon's being been in like three of the top like twenty movies. Of all time, if you want to make that argument, I might. You can make it. He was in Saving Private Ryan. He was in um, Downsize. No way. That's, 20. That's top twenty worst movies of all time. But he was also in um, uh, what's the other great movie? Same. Uh, Good no, uh, Good Hunting. Yeah. There you go. Hunting. Oh yeah. Also, Ocean's Eleven is like the best airplane movie possible. So he was in that. <laughs> what a take! Like, why is Ocean's Eleven the best it's airplane perfect. movie? It's smooth. It it flows smoothly. Like the like, there's nothing wrong. It's funny. It's a heist. Anytime you have a heist, it's the perfect movie. Ocean's Eleven is a perfect movie. Dean, do you want what to know what I watched on the airplane? Oh yeah. Well, you didn't. Well, yeah, I heard you say it, and I was going to ask you. You said you watched it on the bike. The Street Fighter. Oh, yeah. You 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 were embarrassed. You didn't want somebody judging you over your shoulder. Is I did. It, you know, I was worried. So. I watched Clerks three. And I kind oh. of think, like, you know, if you're gonna watch that, that's an airplane movie, hundred uh, <laughs> percent. Uh, so I watched Clerks three, and then I watched the Nicholas. We brought up Pedro Pascal on the way home. I watched the uh, the movie with Pedro Pascal and Nicholas Cage. What movie is uh, that? Unbearable weight of massive talent, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, I watched yeah. that. Yeah, with the Timothy Haddish. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah, fine. Yeah. It's a, it's kind of the same joke, sort of, but it's fine. Those were uh, what I believed were good good airplane choices. What is uh, what's the worst airplane movie? Airplane like is that snakes on a plane? Like what is the, what's the worst? It's got to be like an airplane crash movie, right? Like you got. I yeah, I, I feel like that's like Final Destination that, or something. You're watching. Like I watched uh, 
I watched, it was an international flight, which I watch a lot of movies mm -hmm. on, and I had never seen it, but I went through the archives and I watched Cape Fear on the airplane one time. That's the first I time I've ever a long time. That's the first time I've ever seen it. But obviously Cape Fear is well known for its infamous violent scene. And I didn't even realize that was coming. And uh, boy, <laughs> is that scene like not only brutal in general, but then to have people watching it over your shoulder as it's happening, it's like I am very uncomfortable in the moment right now. So I would say Cape Fear is probably the worst airplane movie of all time. <laughs> there you go. It's settled. Uh, anything else before we uh, step aside and get out of here and make way for, uh, well, week, uh, you know, we're excited for one more week down. This is the, uh, the penultimate episode of the Pick 6 show, and uh, we got one more on Layaway. The AFC and NFC, the two gamer. I'm sure we'll find a way to make that one an hour long. We're almost well. there, guys. We're almost there. Yeah, yeah man. Um, Rick, well, tell the people. Over. Tell the people where they can find you on Twitter. <laughs> I'm sure they don't know at this point. Hello, Reeves on Twitter. Sharp football analysis. There are three more games to write up. Not that you're counting. You're definitely not counting for sure. Listen, then it's pro everyone's favorite time of the year, prospect season. Yes. Uh, Dago, how about yourself? Tell the people where they can find you. I'm already beaten down for people tweeting about prospects. It's like, just give it a couple of months. Everyone calm down and segment the season accordingly. You don't need to rush out there in the streets and start saying dumb shit already. Are you uh, not? A, you want to be first, though. You got to be the first guy. To no, you don't. No, you don't. You want to relax your entire life. You don't want to be first ever. Also, <laughs> Twitter is unusable right now, too. Like, if I get on TweetDeck, I cannot read anything, like, as accordingly to, like, what the time it was tweeted at. I respond to people that tweeted things two days ago, and I don't even realize it anymore. So whenever Twitter works, <laughs> let me know, and I'll get back on to it. <laughs> At Nadre Daigle for Broken Twitter. That's where you can find me. All right. And producer Steve, uh, Steve, to follow you on Twitter. You can give out your angry. Uh, Steve's always telting something, uh, whatever he bet, I assume. Always. Every day. Well, do you want to tell the people where they can find you and follow you? Uh, at <laughs> Steve underscore Hoffman on Twitter. There you go. Uh, the Pick 6 Show is down, sponsored by Thrive. Win some money this week for Daigle, for Rebar, for Producer Steve, for uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme and, and Raul Julia, and for Street Fighter in general, the entire uh, entity of Street Fighter. We do appreciate y'all listening. Take something down. One more to go. Good luck this week. Win some money. We're out of here. Oh. <laughs>